Welcome to Back to Debbie. It's 7 a.m. Eastern Time, the only time zone that holds a fancy football expo. We are back to Back to Debbie, the podcast brought to you by Campus to Ken. I'm Mike, and this is my co-host, Corey. The riding the streets has calmed down in Grove Street as C2C gets back to Debbie. Now, Corey, let's ride. All right, let's get into some news here that's coming across from this week. A lot of camps kicking off this week, so I decided to do a little bit of a camp crawl, find whatever kind of news tidbits that I could. So let's head over to Alabama first. Uh, a lot of injury news coming out of Alabama right now. Uh, they're tight. They're starting tight end Cameron Latu hurt. Uh, undisclosed reason, undetermined timeline, so we're not sure when he's going to be coming back. Um, they did talk about a guy called Robbie Oosts. That could potentially be the guy to maybe take over if if Latu's thing is is extended, but uh, we're still kind of undetermined there. Not sure what's going on there. Um, and then another one that just came out last night was JoJo Earl uh, out six to eight weeks with a foot injury, and this one's kind of a kind of a tough one to see because a lot of people are excited about him. He looked like he was going to lock down that slot this year. Um, it potentially maybe now we can see Christian Leary hit the field, uh, a guy who looked really good in the spring game, uh, led the receivers on the day, had some big plays. So going to see how that shakes out there. He's missing a lot of important time here. Um, also Roy Dell and Jace, uh, the running backs, they're both back at practice. Uh, Muddy's backfield a little bit, but I'm still excited for Jace. I'm hoping he can kind of lock down that number two spot. So it's good to see them healthy and back there. Heading over to LSU now, uh, Kayshawn Butte, my number one wide receiver in Debbie still. He is practicing, and he looks good doing it right now. Uh, Kelly actually awarded him with the uh, prestigious number seven heading into camp, uh, signaling that uh, the, the trust may be starting to be established between the two of them. Um, apparently, his GPS tracker on his first practice was even more than they expected, uh, so they're excited about where he's at right now. Um, that was about it coming out of LSU, uh, heading over to Notre Dame now, uh, running back Logan Diggs, a lot, a guy, a lot of us thought was maybe going to miss some time heading into this year. He's participating in practice right now. He's seeking out contact. He's taking hits. So it looks like he's closer to being ready than he's not. So maybe some of that excitement for Audric Estime, uh, maybe takes a little bit of a hit here. So we'll see how this kind of plays out through the summer. Um, they're tight end there, uh, top three tight end in this class. Uh, Eli Raradon, I think is how you say his name. Towards ACL less than a year ago. Uh, he's actually full go in practice right now, according to reports. So uh, Notre Dame has been a hotbed for tight ends. Guys like Rudolph, guys like Eifert, guys like May are coming out soon. So always a good idea to keep your eyes on uh, on what's going on over there in uh, Notre Dame with tight ends. Yeah, I'm going to need to roll up my window here on this part of the ride. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to keep going here. We're going to head over now to Michigan. Uh, short tidbit here, just that JJ McCarthy, he's looking healthy and he's looking good. So maybe he can give, uh, McNamara, uh, a run for his money for that job. Um, heading over to Miami. Now, a lot of people have been worried about the wide receivers over there. Uh, buzzes are actually looking pretty good. Uh, starting duo of Jacoby George and, uh, Xavier Strepo in the slot. Uh, but they're actually giving some love to one of your guys that we're going to talk to a little bit about later. Uh, just a little bit of a tease for you there. Um, but I'm not going to get into him now. I'm going to let uh, Mike tell you guys about him later. But if we can have a little bit of confidence in this wide receiver core, then maybe you can make us feel a little bit better about TVD this year. Um, heading over now to Wisconsin. Uh, I know we don't look here very often other than the running game. Uh, there isn't much to say about this passing game, but guy by the name of Skylar Bell, okay? This guy was lighting up my timeline recently. Uh, videos of him making one-handed catches. Uh, only saw one game, I believe, last year as a true freshman, but he's been the talk of camp. He had three touchdowns in their recent scrimmage, uh, one-handed grabs, all the good stuff all over the timeline right now. It was enough buzz that I felt he was worth mentioning, uh, at least throwing him out there on the radar. 6'1", 190-pound redshirt freshman. So, you know, you, you never know. But moving right along here, going to, over to Clemson now. Uh, this was exciting to me. Um 
Adam Randall, quote, looks great right now. Uh, he spent the majority of the time running sprints to the side, uh, but the beat porters are seeing him out there. He's looking great. Um, they can't believe what he's doing right now at this point. And if you remember a while ago, Amari Rogers actually tore his ACL at Clemson, tore in, a, I believe, April two years ago, and was practicing again in July or August, and actually started in week two of that year. So I don't know what the hell they got going on in the water over there. They somehow have the key to unlocking uh, serious ACL injuries. I don't know how that's happening, but... Um, uh, last place we're going to hit here, going to head over to Virginia, an interesting 2021 freshman um, by the name of Malachi Fields last year. A guy that you've talked about a little bit, Mike. Sounds like he might have broke his foot in practice. Yeah, he broke his foot last week here. He was a guy I was excited about. Not exactly a breakout for this year, maybe in future years, but as a true freshman, he's a three-star athlete. Six foot four, 218. Love the size. The dude recorded 11 catches for 179 yards. Was definitely on the field for quite a few blocking roles, um, but he was also using the passing game there. So you really like to see the versatile usage, the early on-field time, and a very crowded wide receiver core. So broken foot, looks like he's going to miss, like honestly, like 80 90% of the uh, season. So I'm not really holding my breath for this year. But once that wide receiver core clears out for the NFL draft, I'm sure I'll be talking about him next offseason. Yeah, hopefully we can see him return strong. Um, I know he's a guy you've been talking up a little bit. Um, still a young guy, only a freshman last year, you know. But but speaking of other freshmen that are going on right now, a few that are making waves in camp right now, I just want to give a little bit of tidbit to Arkansas, Samuel Mbake, uh, drawing praise right now, making a lot of uh, a lot of waves out there. Uh, Jordan Hudson over at TCU is also drawing rave reviews, seeing some time with the first team. Uh, over at Texas, Jadon Blue is getting solid reviews already. Um, another guy that's getting strong praise, though, is a wide receiver by the name of Savion Red, who I've never heard before. Actually, someone brought him up in the recruiting channel recently in our Slack chat, and uh, that was the first time I'd ever heard of him. But he's got that nice, thick build at, fi- at 5'10", uh, 210 pounds, He's drawing some of those early Debo comparisons that we all love. So maybe a guy to keep an eye out there for because, you know, an exciting offense with Quinn Ewers there. We never know what's going to happen. And then Ole Miss, this is going to be one that a lot of us are going to love to see. Quinshaw Judkins is turning heads over there and could end up the running back too. Uh, this was a guy who received a uh, recruiting analytics highest athleticism score for the class. Uh, highly athletic player with a ton of upside. So we'll see what happens there over at a P5 school. Um, but that about wraps up some of the more interesting tidbits that come out through the first week. Uh, but I'm sure there'll be more to come out by next Friday. Make sure you keep it locked on the Campus Canton cha- YouTube channel uh, to get more fall camp intel from our very own Matt Bruning. He's doing that every day and uh, making sure you, sure you guys are always up to date. Yeah, so we're going to hop right into this. Uh, we're talking about 2024 breakout. Before we get there, give me some breakout indicators that you like. You know, is it by per, per position or? Uh, yeah, so I look at a bunch of things. I mean, there's the analytical way to look at it, which I know you're going to get into. So I'm going to let you get into that. But there's also the other ways of looking at it, too, where, where me, I'm looking at uh, some opportunity, whether it's somebody leaves, transfers out, leaves a ton of vacated production, especially when it's in a system that has like a historical trend of producing at that specific position. Um, or you're looking at something like scheme change. You're looking at coaching hires. Maybe a, a, a coach comes in, brings a system that's going to explode. Uh, I own the NFL. We're constantly talking about talent over situation, and, and that still holds weight. But 
in college, the situation is such a big deal. These coaches carry around their system from place to place, just plug guys in. And, and that's why we're so interested in guys like Cameron Ward and, and his weapons at Washington State after his coach went there too. Or a guy like Zach Kitley, who, who had the best offense in, uh, in college last year at Western Kentucky, going over to Texas Tech and bringing that system over there. So, so you can find potential breakouts like that, looking at that way. And then you know, there's things like roster turnover, whether it's a transfer addition, whether, you know, it's like Jameson Williams coming to a quiet wide receiver room at Bama or like this year with Burton coming in to a, to a kind of quiet wide receiver room or, or a high-end recruit like Quinn Ewers who could change the outlook of everybody around him at Texas. So there's a lot of different factors, I think, that can, that can help you determine a breakout or, or see it a little bit in advance. Yeah, I think you really nailed it <laughs> across all categories there. You didn't really leave much for me to get there, but... <laughs> Totally agree on QB system matters. Um, up until recently, there hasn't really been like a QB school, like a QBU, but I'm really feeling like Ohio and Alabama are becoming QBUs. And then you can sprinkle a little bit of two or three from somewhere else in there. Um, for RBs for me, getting on the field early matters. Transfers give that revival to careers there. So if they're doing nothing by year three, I kind of need them to, they're either in a crowd situation or I need them to transfer into a better situation. Um, for wide receivers, a little more analytical here for me. Um, Besides film, but if you're just doing some box score scouting, uh, yards per route run really catches my eye. And then we love to see how they finished last year. We'll talk about Lorenzo Styles. I'm going to talk about how he really saw an increased use last year. And not only that, but he actually saw production too. So that's a huge indicator going into the next year. Uh, with tight ends, I really just go off of spring reports. I know me and you both hate analyzing tight ends, man. So mm-hmm. if there's hype around tight ends in the spring, that's usually good enough for me. Yeah, all I want to see is that their weight has increased, like you said here, you know, at the, and that they're maintaining that level of, of athleticism that they had, that they carried in, because we want to see some athleticism at the next level. We, we, we've seen that that part at least somewhat translate, and we see that size translate. That's really all we can look for at this point. Yeah, so going into the 2024 breakouts, the class has a tremendous amount of ambiguity. I feel that historically, we usually know after freshman year about 80% of the Debbie guys, and you got 20% coming out later on. Um, but I personally can't remember a class that didn't did not have this few breakouts here. And I'm just going to go ahead and start off with some speculation on that. I know I've talked about it with Austin before, but the transfer portal is allowing these players a free pass to a vacated system instead of allowing incoming freshmen to break out. So I'm talking about uh, if a player does really well at a power five school and then they transfer up to like Alabama or just to a better school. And then same thing going down too. like, if, if a team, if a player doesn't make it at Alabama, the best school in the nation, like, yeah, they'll transfer to like another SEC school. And then this just makes the line a little bit longer for freshmen getting out on the field. Uh, Corey, you got any thoughts on that? Anything to add? No, exactly like what you said. I mean, it, it, we're seeing it right now with like Jameer Gibbs coming in and we're all excited about Jason McClellan or maybe even some guys are excited about Roy Dell or whatever and possibly seeing them lead this backfield this year. Well, now a transfer's coming in and it's kind of messing everything up. And then we even got things like like the COVID eligibility kind of clogging up the depth chart. We don't really know how long these guys even have left anymore. If they could stay for their fifth year, some of them could stay for their sixth year. Some of them are still banking on that last year. So there is some thresholds that are going to get messy in this area. Um there could be a time when we look back at this and, and just see it as an anomaly as rather than something as a trend going forward. So let me, with some trivia here, we're going to roll into our QBs here. And I want to ask you how many freshmen last year do you think start six games or more true freshmen? Uh, I would be lying to you if I said I knew the answer, but I'm going to shoot for like six games or more. Give me like yeah. seven, seven. It's going to be nine. Yeah. Nine. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, some of the schools were like UNLV, NIU, but, you know, lower tier schools like that. But 
we saw Caleb Williams and Jackson Dart break out last year. So for this portion here, we're already going to consider them broken out. We know these names. Let's get into some other breakouts here that my first one up here is Drake May of UNC. He's actually my QB four for the class right now. I'm pretty excited about him. There's not a lot to go off of here. Uh, he goes to UNC. UNC just sent Sam Howell to the NFL. I know he was a fifth round, which is not encouraging. The one thing Drake May has over Sam Howell is an extra four inches and an extra 20 pounds too. Drake May is six foot five, 216 pounds. And he got a little bit on the field last year too. So we got to see a little bit what it looks like. Now it was against Wolford, seven for 89 and one touchdown which isn't like too encouraging right last year. But in the spring game, he definitely had that chemistry with Josh Downs. He looked good in the spring game. He looked like he belonged. I'm not really buying the news about this, this quarterback competition. I think it's Drake May's field to lose, and I believe in the talent here. I love the size. I think he's going to have a, a future in the NFL for sure. Yeah, I guess when Sam Howell did get drafted in the fifth round, it did kind of put some worry in there. I know there was something out there. Like, I don't know. Did he have did he have some kind of injury rumors or something? I'm not entirely sure if he had medical reasons behind there as well. Maybe it was his size. It does kind of worry me that, that NFL teams are scared of that system or something that's very wide open, puts up a lot of production. I'm not sure if maybe they're scared away from that or something. It has made me drop down May, maybe a little bit in my rankings, but not much, I think overall Debbie quarterback I think he's somewhere around 20 so I mean he's, he's still decently up there for me so I, I do like the call and I think he's going to be awesome and hey as long as he, as long as he's supplying uh, points to Josh Downs I'm happy um for my guy here uh, I'm going to head over to a guy. actually I'm going to talk about two guys here two guys that I'm pretty excited about a lot of guys talk about them a lot of guys differing opinions on them both uh first guy is going to be Tyler Buckner out of Notre Dame I uh, um Dual threat kid with a lively arm, uh, had some nice moments of spot duty, had a weird foot injury in the spring, but seems to be full go now. A lot of good buzz coming out of camp about him. Um, I do think he has a bit to work on, uh, especially as an anticipatory passer trying to throw the ball where someone is going to be instead of where they currently are. Um, but, he, but he really does have some exciting tools, and as does a guy that I also really like in Michigan's J.J. McCarthy, uh, who everybody at C2C has a strong dislike for. <laughs> and I get it. He runs around a little too much. Uh, you'd like to see him play a little more structured. Uh, but I still see everything that made him that five-star prospect. You know, incredible arm, incredible mobility. Um, I think Fuse, even Fuse on, uh, on Twitter, uh, even had him clocked at 21 miles per hour on one of Blake Horam's runs. So he's got the athleticism, compact motion uh, for his release. It's very quick. Uh, there's just a lot to like here. There's a lot of tools. And I, you know, I understand that McNamara took them to the college football playoff and, and he's likely going to start the first week. But I honestly think McCarthy gets on the field this year for significant snaps, whether it's down the stretch, whether they just need a change, whether he sparked something, whatever. I just, I just don't know how you can keep a talent like that that bottled up. And I really think the main thing that's hurt his development is being on a team that's been coached by Jim Harbaugh. But, you know, I'm betting on the talent with this one. And I'm honestly, I'm just, I can't quit McCarthy. Well, you should. <laughs> Friends don't let friends draft JJ McCarthy. Get oh, come on, man. <laughs> Toxic. Um, but anyway, Quinn Ewers is my next one here. Texas uh, quarterback transfer from Ohio. Uh, I don't really want to, you know, this has already been talked about a bunch. So I'm not really going to mm-hmm. much detail here. He's going to be slinging the ball. Don't don't let Felix Sharp tell you about, oh, I haven't seen one wow throw. We'll see it week one, week two. I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about Archie Manning next year either. Just because he has last name Manning doesn't mean he's good at football. There are plenty of NFL sons in the in college football that have just done nothing. Like none of them have done anything. Except for Marvin Harrison Jr. We'll talk about him soon though. <laughs> but uh let's let's get into like just some some uh deeper stashes here. Me and Corey talked about well, four guys. We also mentioned Caleb Williams and Jackson Dart. Uh, typically in the first round of an NFL draft, you see 
max like five quarterbacks go here. And that's that's what you really want to target here. So just give me an outside shot guy here right now. Okay, so we're, we're focusing on the 2024 class, right? So I got to think of somebody who, who might pop from there. And uh, I kind of want to dig in a little bit. And, and my guy is going to be Jalen Mil- Milrow from, uh, from Alabama, backup quarterback there right now. Top five dual threat guy last year. Uh, earned the number two spot uh, quarterback at Alabama as a, as a freshman. So you love to see that. Had a really solid spring. Uh, honestly, look at the best quarterback in this spring game. Looked better than Brace Young, honestly. I think he threw for 150 yards, two touchdowns. I think he even had like a 60-yard rush. That got called back because of like, obviously you're not supposed to tackle anybody or touch anybody. So he got touched and had to stop it. But it probably would have been a 60-yard touchdown. You know, it's a big athletic kid with, with a gun for an arm. So he relies on that arm a little bit too much. Um, loves to take shots all the time, play a little bit of hero ball. But I really do think he has a real shot at starting for Alabama next year. I know a lot of people are excited about Ty Simpson. But he's super cheap right now. We're talking about, 10th plus round in Devi, 20th plus round in C2C. You know, get this guy stashed, root through awards. If he isn't starting for Bama, he could start for any team in this country right now. So so I think he's a good stash for you to grab right now and could be a climber in that 2024 class, depending on if he stays at Bama or wherever he goes. All right, hot take, calling out the Alabama guy. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to shoot a little more from deep here. I'm going to say Clay Millen, not really a guy considered here for Devi value. But he's going to a system that's going to be very pass-heavy, so he's definitely having the opportunity to showcase himself. Not only that, but he's a sophomore. I mean, so he has another another year of eligibility here, 2024, like we're talking about. So he has two years, plenty of opportunity, and we'll see how he develops. The system already developed uh, Carson Strong. Now Clay Millen here, he's six foot three, 200. Um, he's a little more mobile than the tectonic plate that was that was Carson Strong. So... I like the opportunity here. This is a this is a pure opportunity analysis here. I think he's worth a stash. All right, let's get down to our next position here, RB breakouts. Now, let me start off by saying this, because I do like the temper expectations. Not not everybody gets that second round draft capital, that third round draft capital. You have to limit your list to a realistic size here, right? There's maybe five guys in these draft classes you feel good about for fantasy relevance in the NFL. This past class, it's really just Brees Hall. Uh, there's definitely a Kenneth Walker crowd, and that's cool. I'm not arguing that here on this podcast tonight. But it's it's like those two, and then you got some sleepers in like Rashad and like Tyler Algier. There's occasionally super classes that are filled with talent, but there's, again, only 24 running backs that we really care about on the NFL side of fantasy. RB3s don't win you championships. This is why I like to analyze trends. I don't, I do care about size. To me, pass catching backs tend to be roster cloggers. Sure, they provide safe floors for bye weeks, they're fill-ins, but they don't hold that value year to year. Like with the exception of like James White. Like, like just imagine Tariq Cohen, right? He had that one year. Naeem Hines had that one random year. It's very volatile. It's not very predictive. So I'd rather just go for guys that I believe are gonna be the workhorse or have like a plus committee role like Damian Harris or Eliza Mitchell. Before we get into it, I'm just laying down some ground rules. Guys that I believe have kind of like already gotten their name out there, so they're not really breakout candidates. And that's that's going to Trayvon Henderson and Braylon Allen, of course. They're top two on everyone's list for this class. But uh, Raheem Sanders kind of already broke out. Alden McCaskill, um, Montreal Johnson, and Will Shipley. Like those guys, I think it's pretty clear that we can assume they're taking the next step or seeing the same work. So this is going to be a very short section. Let's get a little deep into it. I'm only really going to name one guy here, and I'm going to name I'm going to name Jarquez Hunter, Auburn running back. He's a backup for Tank Bigsby. Um, there's definitely a crowd there saying that he was going to take over uh, Tank Bigsby's role early on because he looked great. He looked fantastic. He was elusive in the open field. He was hitting the holes with speed. 
He was using his blocking to his leverage. Everything that I love to see a little on the lighter side, but that's okay. He's got two more years. Like he'll put on those extra 10 pounds I want to see in two years. And then he did nothing because of the increased competition. It got harder for him. And Auburn's system, in my opinion, is currently imploding. Um, but just two guys I want to mention is like deeper shots. And I'm not too confident. Uh, Malachi Thomas saw a nice little breakout there for Virginia, Virginia Tech. I believe he's six foot 197, smaller, thinner back. Uh, definitely can add size to that frame. And then Travion Cooley, who's been a name mentioned, and there's definitely a committee there, and it seems like a roller coaster of news over there. But anyway, those are my potential running back breakouts. Yeah, I thought Jarquez looked pretty pretty good at times. You know, I never fully dove into his recruiting profile, to be honest. I mean, you know, I know some of his best efforts came against, against like some pretty terrible teams, and then he just kind of faded away down the stretch, which is weird. Maybe t- a little bit of Tank Bigsby returning to health. I know we talked about it last episode, but there's definitely some opportunity there once Tank is out the door, um, if he transfers even next year, if he decides to stay for his senior year or something. So you never know. I also really like Damari Alston there a little bit. I know he doesn't get a lot of talk somebody who had like a ridiculous offer sheet from like every program in the country, um, pretty high ranking freshman, high four star. So there's gotta be some talent there. Somebody that I'm, I'm watching for right now. It doesn't seem like the fastest guy or quickest guy. Maybe that's what's kind of holding guys back, but another name just to look over there. Um, but I'm going to head over to my side here, talk about a couple of running backs. A guy I've talked about quite a bit now, um, heading over to Oregon, talk about a guy called Byron Cardwell. Um, great size at six foot, 210, uh, kind of an afterthought after three weeks of the season. Uh, only saw nine carries through week six, mostly because CJ Verdell was around there. Um, but then he got injured and uh, kind of thrust uh, Byron into a bigger role, uh, into the RB2 role. Um, behind Travis Dye, who we all know had a great year for the Ducks last year, led all the running backs in the Pac-12 in scrimmage yards. Uh, but Byron ended up seeing a lot more work too. I think he saw 52 more carries from that point on, operating as a number two back. He averaged 7.2 yards per carry over those 50. Two carries and he finished with 417 yards rushing uh 52% of his yards came away on breakaway runs and 13% of them went for 15 or more yards so this guy's showcasing some big big play potential speed he's got the size so he's checking off a lot of those boxes that we want to see from a profile of a, De- a Debbie profile you know and with Riddell off to the NFL Travis Dino off the USC Cardwell should climb to the top of the depth chart on during 2022 um their whole backfield is pretty much left. Uh, they even had a guy, seven McGee switched to wide receiver. There's almost 80% of their rushing production gone from last year. Uh, the buzz has been pretty strong this, this uh, spring. He had like 170 yards in a, a recent scrimmage or something. So, you know, we've got the opportunity. We've got the vacated production. We've got the talent. Uh, I know there's other bodies in there, but I think Byron's going to lead this room. And I think he has the best projection to the NFL. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to see him end up as like a top five or six back in this class. Yeah, dude, I love that. Uh, did you mention his size, by the way? Do you know what his size is? Yeah, six foot, 210 pounds. I love that. Because I looked on the school website, wasn't there. Looked on PFF, wasn't there. So I wasn't sure if I was missing it. But yeah, I, I, think, I, I, I just don't think they've updated it yet. I know during spring, some guys take off their weights till they get like the official measurement. But I know he was listed at that last year. Yeah, I love the call out, though. I hated myself when I saw that name and I forgot about him. And I was like, damn. I love that call out, though. Uh, Oregon does put in uh, NFL talent. I mean, they had Royce Freeman, didn't really work out, but definitely got a lot of hype. And then C.J. Verdell did have a lot of hype until that ACL tear. But, um, yeah, I love the system. I love that call. That's definitely, in my opinion, going to be the breakout out of our list so far. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of tough to find running backs in this list right now. A lot of them just didn't didn't break out a lot this in this 2024 recruiting class. I mean, another guy that I did kind of like um, that was committed to LSU last year and did play for them is Corey Kiner, who's now headed over to Cincinnati. He was my RB six in the class last year. Um, 
played his freshman season with LSU and they were a bad team, but he did have some nice moments. He was mostly operating in like a complimentary role, uh, had to have four games received double digit carries and finished as a team second leading rusher. So, so he was making his way up the depth chart slowly. There was buzz that he could have been the, the number one dude heading into camp. So I know there was an opening there at Cincy that he wanted to kind of take advantage of, you know, he's a shifty little dude. I always kind of thought of him as like a mix of CJ Anderson, which is, I know weird, whatever. And a mix of Clyde Edwards Hilaire. So like a little bit smaller, but he's got that low center of gravity. I think he's 217, 5'11", 217. So he's got that low center of gravity. He's shifty, he's shortier, he's stockier. He's, he's quicker than fast, you know, quicker in short areas. But, you know, can juke you in the open field with impressive uh, lateral agility. So I, I kind of picture those two when I look at them, you know. And that, and that with the transfer over to Cincy, we're looking at a place that's that's they're running, they're, uh, running back one has averaged over 1,000 yards the past five seasons, over 12 touchdowns the past five seasons. Um, they've had some mild success putting backs into the NFL although they are typically like day three guys but 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 you know Kiner's exciting and he might he's one of the higher recruits to ever go there and you know if Prater can win that job then that's an exciting duo I think hey I remember the Jerry Dokes hype I remember the uh <laughs> yeah the Jerome Ford hype we had here at Camp Skin there's one more before Dokes I can't it's on to my tongue but anyway yeah they do get guys Michael NFL. Warren yeah. that was his name Michael that's Warren. what it was yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. See, they, so they have guys that are making their way, but, you know, we'll see what happens. I still think this is one of the better recruits to go there. So we'll see what Jerome Ford was kind of a nice recruit, but he was also a wide receiver. So he took some kind of changing over time. But I, I, I'm excited to see what Connor can do here. Love it. All right, let's get into our wide receivers. And again, hitting you with another trivia question, Corey. How many true freshman wide receivers hit the 500-yard receiving mark? See, I don't know if I should cheat now because I think that you told me this answer, but I'm 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 pretty sure that it's only Xavier Worthy. That's correct. Yes, and I talked about it on Campus Life too, so you might have just listened to that episode. But <laughs> just to give some context here for the prior years, in 2020 you had five, the year before that three, and the year before that six. So one's kind of a drought. It's it makes it a little fun and also a little scary, but it leaves the ambiguity of this class for who's going to step up. Um. Obviously, we're going to leave out Xavier Worthy because he already broke out. There's nothing really more to talk about. We expect him to continue to be great. But let's talk about some other guys here, too. And I'm I'm going to start off going not so deep here. I'm going to talk about Lorenzo Styles. We talked about guys finishing strong at the end of the year, right? In his bowl game, he went eight for 136 and one. He's listed at six foot one, 195. Love the size. 2.8. One nine yards per route run. That's a very good number. Above a two is amazing. That means he's getting targeted when he's out there running those routes. Not only that, but he does have yak ability, right? 8.3 uh, yards after the catch per reception. Out of his 32 targets, he didn't catch anything in the contested catch category. I actually really don't care, but I thought it was worth mentioning. Um, this dude's got good hands. He's got 75% catch rate. Um, I Watching his tape, I thought he was really smooth transition to a runner after the catch. Um, he was very good at just getting that ball and going. He wouldn't have to stop there and scan the field and decide where to go. I have to say he's probably inside my top five for this class, and I'm pretty excited to see how it's going to go this year. Yeah, it was pretty exciting watching him in that bowl game when uh, when finally when Marcus Freeman kind of took over as the head coach there, and you're kind of wondering why the hell they didn't play this guy this way this whole season. Like, hey, if he's doing this good in this game, I know I think he saw his, his most snaps in that game, his most routes in that game. So, I mean, obviously Freeman saw something there, so hopefully that's going to continue into this year. He, he clearly likes the kids, so I think he's going to get a lot of good playing time, and he, he's definitely one of my breakouts too, so I, I really do like that call there. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of guys to talk about. 
that haven't really put it broke out from a production standpoint, but there's guys that are up there that I don't really think that need to be mentioned. A guy like Emeka Egbuka, number one receiver in his class last year, like wide receiver you at OSU, a guy like Marvin Harrison. Um, shooting a little bit deeper here, I want to go over to uh, Washington State, and I'm going to talk about a guy called Deshaun Stribling. I'm not sure. I should have looked up the way to say his name. But uh, he was a freshman last year, 6'2", 205 pounds, saw, saw some heavy usage from day one as a freshman. You know, and Washington loses its uh, its top two pass catchers to the NFL, making Stribling kind of the number one guy there. You know, he, he put up decent numbers from, from a raw standpoint. Didn't hit, like, great advanced metrics, but, um, you know, Jaden Delar is gone. Cameron Ward is coming in. And for those of you who don't know by now, very under-recruited player, Cam Ward, um, lit up the stat sheet at a Carnet Ward, um, was a top five transfer portal player this year at some points, had head coaches calling this quarterback a, a potential first-round pick, yada, yada, yada. Either way, Ward should elevate Stribling's talent or, or, or help show us what Stribling can really do. Um, I do wonder if he's a, a super explosive guy or maybe just more savvy. He did play a lot in the slot last year. Um, and he's kind of like that big body mismatch there, that big slot thing going for him. Um, but he is versatile. He kind of move around a lot. And he's got a huge opportunity in front of him and a great system that's coming over here. So um, I recently just essentially drafted him as my wide receiver one in our auction league. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty excited about him. And I think he can blow up in this offense here. Yeah, I just... I wasn't a big fan of his tape because I, I like the numbers. I love the freshman usage. When I watched his tape, I thought he was like a catch and fall down guy. He didn't get a lot of separation. He caught the ball and didn't like break tackle, you know, and for a guy his size, I would hope that he could break some more tackles than he did or make some more big man plays. But um, I definitely am encouraged by the usage and he definitely has the opportunity here. And now he has the upgrade at QB, but, and I don't know if it was scheme. So we'll find out if it's scheme or the player here this upcoming year, but yeah, I, I was kind of disappointed with uh, the lack of yak ability there. No, and I do agree with you. I actually, I was watching his tape just recently after drafting. It was just I wanted to kind of have a refresh. And, and you're right. Like I was saying, I don't know if he's super explosive or if he's just kind of a savvy route runner who can catch the ball and might fall down. Maybe his upside is like a Keenan Allen or something like that. You know, that that might be that that type of player. But but yeah, I do I do hope that we can see a little more versatility from him this year. And hopefully that offense can help open him up. All right, so I'm going to go over here to a guy that I'm a big fan of. I might be a little bit early on. Uh, that's going to be Caden Prather here. Six foot four, four, uh, 210 pounds from West Virginia University here. West Virginia gets the offensive coordinator from USC. And that's very exciting because USC obviously puts talent to the NFL here. Uh, he saw eight targets in three quarters of the spring game. So watching the spring game, he saw some increased usage. He's definitely a size speed specimen. Um, and watching him move, not seeing how he plays, but how he moves reminds me a lot of George Pickens. Um, I believe his stats were something like 10 for 175 and one. So got on the field early. He was clearly targeted early in the spring game. I'm not sure if the Western University system is going to be turned around year one, but by year two, I'm definitely expecting big things out of him. Increased usage down the stretch. And he definitely has that yak ability. He does make those big man plays and, I'm really excited about this player. I think he's got the ball skills, got the athleticism. I just hope he puts the route running together. Yeah, and I like his size because I like in this class specifically because it's a lot of guys around six one, six foot. You know, Xavier, Emeka, maybe except for Marvin Harrison, who's got some size to him too. But Prather's got that that six four, two hundred over two hundred and ten pounds, so, and the way he moves with that size too. So I mean, that's got to be something you you got to be excited about there. Um, definitely a guy worth keeping an eye on. 
Um, another guy that might be worth keeping your eye on uh, heading over to LSU is a guy called uh, Malik Neighbors. Now, this was a guy who had a little bit of buzz a little bit earlier in the offseason. I'm not sure why it seems to have fallen off now, maybe because Boutte is returning healthy or whatever. But it's a four-star recruit, 6'1", 190 pounds. He's got that ideal size nowadays that the NFL seems to kind of be looking for. Um, you know, another guy that really didn't see the field much in the first six weeks. Uh, but once Boutte went down, his playing time, you know, escalated. His role escalated. Ended up finishing fourth on the team in yards, which doesn't sound like much. But uh, I mean, at the end of the day, he was within 100 yards of LSU's leading receiver, who was Boutte, who only played six weeks, which just goes to show you how awesome Boutte is already. Um, but his 14.8 yards per catch led the team. Um, he did earn a spot on the All-SEC freshman team, too. Um, so this is a guy, you know, he's making these waves, um, you know, and although Boutte is healthy now, he missed a lot of practice time and he's getting these buzz in camp. He's impressing the new regime. So that's something that that can go a long way for him in the long run. Um, they didn't really bring anybody either in through the portal. They didn't bring anybody in through this recruitment cycle. I mean, this this was a dead wide receiver cycle for them as well. I know they got an exciting recruit coming in next year. Um, but once Boutte leaves, I mean, this is going to be one of the most senior guys in here. This guy could be the wide receiver one for LSU uh, going into next year. And this is a place that has great success developing wide receivers. He could be the next great wide receiver. And I can't understand why his ADP now, looking at a recent, uh, at least June or July, I can't remember, uh, our latest ADP update, he's creeping past 120 in Debbie, which is just like insane. I just don't know if it's like lack of recognition or maybe because LSU is going through so much turmoil and so much changeover and we really don't know where they're heading. But I would be more so aiming around 70 or 80 or something like that, at least in that range. This guy needs to get on your rosters. Yeah, I definitely loved his high school profile coming out too. I mean, he was a four-star wide receiver 18 coming out. Um, he caught 58 passes for 1,223 yards and 21 touchdowns as a mm-hmm. junior in high school. I mean, it was unfortunate we couldn't see the 2020 season, but all right, let me get into, yeah, let me get into Malik McLean. This one is shooting from deep. I'm sure I'm going to be off him by mid season. He's just another size speed mm-hmm. guy. He's six foot four, 200. I know Austin jokes around with me and says that he's just a contested catch guy. I don't really believe that. I think he's a better athlete than that. He was FSU's offensive newcomer of the year. I know he had a few um, votes for preseason first team all freshman uh, last year. Clearly, they didn't really happen. From what I've seen him run on the field so far, his route tree's not complicated. A lot of digs, a lot of comebacks. I'm sure that's just scheme related because that offense is just terrible. I mean, the whole thing is just terrible. So I'm really just drawn to size and athleticism, and he should be the clear cut wide receiver one this year. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping for something, hoping for a miracle. Miracle. <laughs> yeah, I know with Austin's thing too. And I know it was even my thing in the beginning too. Is in the beginning, I think in the beginning of debut, we all got enamored with these, these size speed freaks. Um, I can't even remember other names, but even a guy like Damon Damas and uh, there was another guy, Malachi Coleman or, or something like that. Another guy who was just a big freaky athlete, had all these things all over the internet and, and, and had the size, would be able to catch over you. And I think watching all those guys kind of fizzle out being like athletic specimens or, or big, tall, strong guys that you kind of rely on, like left a lasting impression on, on like me and Austin and stuff to where like, where they're big and they're maybe slightly contested catchability. It's like, Oh my God, I'm like so off of this because <laughs> I've been here before. And like, now we're all worried now. So I think that's kind of Austin's thing with Malik McLean too. And like, I, maybe if I'm being truthful, maybe I do see it a little bit as well, but he's not somebody that I've dove into 
extensively enough to really like give a full analysis on but uh it's like you gotta you gotta try to bring some names to the table that people don't know but i am gonna bring a name to the table that everybody freaking knows i know uh, at least at least a, a big majority of you okay and then the guy who's gonna break out this year if you don't already call last year breakout because it's a little bit borderline and that's bo collins from clemson um and actually i want to talk about both of them and they're calling them the colin towers over there over at clemson now and uh, they're both looking great they're both looking sculpted uh or i was already talking about before how nada's not seeing on the field uh ej williams is still not really getting on the field very much either so there's going to be opportunities for these two guys and clemson has one of the best track records developing wide receiver talent in, in the nfl um I, I like I said, I kind of already say Bo have kind of had that mini breakout already. They both have that fantastic size, but I do think I don't think that we should forget about Takari. I think Takari could could break out here as well. And I just think there's a lot to like here. And, and, and Bo is a little bit pricey now. I, he's getting higher depending on who you're drafting with. I know one guy in our C2C, uh, Todd, is very high on him, takes him very high. Uh, I'm not willing to take him that high right now, but I know Takari is like super value right now. You can get him in like double digit rounds. So I'm still liking these guys. I'm still liking the track record that, that Clemson has with wide receivers. Maybe DJU can take that step. Even if he doesn't, we all love Cade, Cade Klubnik too. And maybe he can help develop these guys as well. And they still have some time to develop. So so I, I like these guys here. Yeah, definitely should be the one there. Clemson receivers do get drafted. Um, there's definitely a lot of question about that. Uh, or I should say there's a lot of doubt in the system lately just for mm-hmm. how they perform recently. But that could just be recency bias. You know how it goes. Um. Here's a guy I'm really excited about. I've been talking about him a lot. Probably every, I want to say two weeks, I'm not here talking about him for sure. And I am searching the internet probably every other week for news on Miami wide receivers. So you breaking the news earlier about him. Was he the receiver you were alluding to? Are we talking about Rashard Smith? He was. He had the most recent article I read singled out uh, Jacoby Restrepo and him as receivers who are really making a strap. That wide receiver three role is kind of open right now, and they're saying that he might have a leg up. So I love it. I love it. I really do. Uh, the only article I could find, like in the early all season, was really depressing. It was from 24 7 Sports, and it was titled like the top 50 returning players of Miami. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to click on this. Player number like 11 was Xavier Restrepo, and the guy was like pretty much saying, you know, he could take another step and really get to that 500 yard receiving mark. And I'm like, that's not a step up. I mean, more than that. <laughs> <laughs> that's not enough for Debbie. Like, <laughs> so, anyway, Brashard Smith, right? Five foot 10, 194. Love the size. Really nice, compact size. Um, he was actually comped to Tyree Kill by 24 7 Sports coming out as a recruit. Across stats of players over 10 receptions here, he had 7.69 yards per route run. That's almost eight, which is insane. On 25 routes, he was targeted 14 times. Again, also insane amount of targets for his routes. 13.4 yak yards per reception, so he is deadly in the open space. Here's here's the devil's advocate part. His ADA was 0.9. That meant that most of his balls are coming from the line of scrimmage, like behind the line of scrimmage. So it's 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 not encouraging. You don't want to see that from your wide receiver, you know, and it makes me question whether does he have bad hands can he not run routes do they need to scheme him open but uh he's using rushing attempts he had a he's a gadget skill set and then i just think that there's just so much open field here i'm a believer in tyler van dyke i think he's an nfl caliber quarterback i think he's a first round talent he's going to elevate this offense and everyone is taking guesses on who's it going to be in miami and i think it's going to be brashard smith he has the athleticism i do like the size I want to see him take the next step and he's going to shoot up my board. 
Yeah, and he has that great size, really. That 5'10", close to that 200-pound mark is actually a really nice size for him because, really, when you think about the type of player he is, the first kind of players you think of are like Rondale Moore or like Tavon Austin. You hope that that's not like the downside of a player like him. You hope the upside is more like Tyreek Hill. Uh, and that size actually adds to that is hoping that there's a little bit more there um, because we've seen guys with a little bit less size not really uh, translate the way we want them to. And, you know, he might be limited to a more gadget role. We'll see how... how it, it goes there. I am also a believer in Tyler Van Dyke. I think he's a great, uh, great passer. I think he, he's a sneaky mover too. I was actually watching some of his tape. He's not that he's going to rush for a bunch of yards, but I think he can sneak, sneaky move around and, and find the open guy. And it'll help a guy like Rashard Smith, uh, get open and, and hopefully target him more than a yard down the field. So <laughs> yeah, definitely extends the play. And there's a lot of opportunity there too. They lost two receivers to the NFL. Um, both were UDFAs, but Charleston Rambo, and Mike Harley, both gone. So it's it's opportunity surrounded by good talent. It's just, well, he has all the pieces there. He just has to take the next step forward himself. I was actually surprised Rambo didn't get drafted, uh, even though he ended up UDFA. Because, I mean, this was a guy who actually broke out a little bit with Oklahoma, I think, when Jalen Hurts was there. I think it was Jalen Hurts, or maybe it was Kyler Murray. I can't remember. But I was actually surprised. I, I thought he did pretty good in Miami, too. He broke the record there, I think, receiving record or reception record. So it was unfortunate enough to see that. So I don't know if maybe uh, NFL is just not looking towards Miami like they used to. But. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there, too. Because before that, Braxton Berrios also broke the record. He was like a six-round draft capital to the Patriots, and Charleston Rambles now a UDFA for the Panthers. So, yeah, I'm with you. And that's also not encouraging is the historical draft rate of Miami wide receivers. But I'm hoping Mario Cristobal brings back the U. All right, last one here is going to be Dwayne Lofton, 5'10", 175 as a recruit, three-star coming out of Texas. He had offers from TCU, Penn State. He had 2,022 total yards of offense with 32 touchdowns as a junior. That was in 2019, which led to 2019 AP first-team All-State wide receiver. 2020, obviously, we didn't see anything because of COVID. So, and then 2021, he had an injury. So, again, saw some spot starts, but really wasn't back. Now, fast forward to 2022, he is the spring camp MVP for the Hokies. He reportedly ran a 4-4-40 already out of high school. Virginia Tech loses his top two producers to the draft and to transfer. I'm talking about Trey Turner and Tavion Robinson, who went to the Kentucky. So, it's a lot of opportunity here. And they also bring in Grant Wells from Marshall. He comes off a 3,500 passing yard season. That's going to be a top 20 passer right there if they keep that rate up. Obviously, it's a new system, so probably not. But the opportunity here, he's clearly considered the best offensive weapon by the team. Otherwise, he wouldn't have gotten the spring MVP. So I think Dwayne Lofton here is going to be a high-level slot receiver, and I'm very excited to see him break out this year. So that wraps up our wide receivers here. And just again, we didn't really talk about Xavier Worthy. We already know about him. Everyone already talks about Marvin Harrison, Emeka Abuka, JoJo Earl, Ja'Cory Brooks. Well, we talked about JoJo Earl's injury. But Ja'Cory Brooks. And then we didn't talk much about Mario Williams because we think, I don't think he's a Debbie Asset person. But anyway, that's a debate for another time. It's a debate for another time. Let's get into tight ends, right? Now, before we get into tight end, there's not any real breakouts here at tight end. I And I don't consider Jack Beck a tight end from LSU. He's, I don't know, he was good. It was, it was weird. I had to write his debut profile for the guide. He's six foot two, 200 pounds. He's not a tight end. He's just a receiver that they threw in the tight end spot because they had no one else to put there. And I love the guy, but I don't think he's an NFL tight end, so I'm, we're not talking about him today. 
But I do want to talk about Jatavion Sanders of Texas. He's six foot four, 249, up from 235 from last year. He was the number one athlete of the 2021 class. He chose to play tight end over edge and didn't really do anything his freshman year. I think he got some special team plays, but besides that, he redshirted. Billingsley comes over from Alabama, sure, but we're not worried about it. We talked about him, me and Corey have talked about him before. Billingsley is not a true tight end. He, he's definitely falling from grace. He's more of a wide receiver. He's six foot four, two twenty. He's undersized. Jatavion can not only block, but he knows how to get out of the space and make plays. He has great hands too, and he looked fantastic at the spring game. I know they ripped the ball out for a fumble, but that's what we call a learning experience. So he's a bit raw, but with this high volume offense, I think Jatavion is going to really take off on people's boards. Yeah, and this is probably the only tight end that I'm actually like excited for out of outside of Michael Trey, whatever I'll, I'll, we'll talk about later, but uh, I'm really excited about him. It seems like he's the tight end one over there. A lot of people were thinking that Billingsley was going to be the guy, but it seems like he's running with the first team. I think, I think now with Quinn Ewers coming in with that offense coming in, I mean, he's in a blow up spot here and I really do like this call. I think he's going to end up probably as tight end two in this class. A guy I'm glad that a lot of people are talking about right now, Michael Trigg is a little bit undersized. There's been varying reports. He's either six, three to 30 or, or six, he there it's a little bit all over the place with him so he could be a little bit undersized compared to a guy like jatavian sanders who might come in a little bit more stronger um there was one other guy i may want to mention who's kind of like austin's heartthrob over there right now which is uh chamon mateer uh tight end over at cincy right now he's been getting a lot of buzz um i think he got like two touchdowns in the spring game from prater very athletic guy um history of having a pretty productive tight end over there at cincy as well so a guy to keep a keep your eye on and uh potential climber in this 2024 class yeah, I do also have mate Mateo on my on my radar. He's six foot five, two fifty seven. He gained about like thirty pounds in the off season. So hopefully that's all good weight. I mean, that's pretty insane to me. But I think he was recruited with the intention of being a linebacker. So that, I thought that was interesting. Uh, and just for everyone who's not familiar with him, he's a he was a three star athlete. He was athlete twenty four in the class. Um, but yeah, he looked great in the spring game. There's not a lot, I think, of passing weapons there. So and just like. Corey said, like, they do produce good tight ends there. Drew Sample went to the NFL. Travis Kelsey's from Cincinnati. Um, Josh Wiley has a little bit of, like, following there. So he, he mm-hmm. might be an NFL tight end there. But Mateo's definitely on the radar here. He's my tight end three for the class, maybe four. But he's definitely on my radar, and I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, I know when we were doing the uh, the Devi guide as well. It's just going back to where you did where you started from because uh, I thought it was kind of funny. But talking about Jack Beck, I actually called Jack Beck the Hunter Renfro of tight ends when I was watching him because that's exactly what he felt like. <laughs> he's just he he somehow created he like if you look at the advanced metrics on him, like he created good good separation and shit like that. Like and, and uh, was good after the catch and everything. And it's just Amazing, like dude. yeah, he's like a force miss tackle like every single catch, like one for one. Yeah, like, so it's like I don't I don't even know what to do with this guy. So like even if we should be viewing him as a wide receiver, should we be viewing him as a good wide receiver? I just they're like like is he or like maybe he's more like that Kyle Phillips spectrum when you know what I, I just, mean? Like I the just guy. don't see him like developing more. Like I love the guy. I love the tape. It was a it was a lot of fun watching his tape, like straight up. It was a lot yeah. of fun watching it. Because you, you just watching, you're like, how how do you break that tackle? How how do you do that? You know, every yeah. single play. Um, but yeah, I I don't know dude. Like I'm not I think he's tapped out on his his ceiling. I think just think he's going to be a really great player. Like I think 
I think that they are planning on moving him back to wide receiver. Don't quote me on that. I'm not 100% sure. I know that a lot of people are talking about they're going to take away the tight end eligibility in your fan tracks leaks very soon. So I'm not too sure if they'll go traditional wide receiver with him and how they'll play him, if he'll end up in a slot role or whatever. But yeah, he's an interesting player that I am going to keep my eye on, but nothing that like I can really do anything with. I don't have no shares and I don't plan on having any shares, but I don't I don't get it. Underlying metrics look great and and they Profile looks great on paper, but nothing I really want to invest in. <laughs> right, right. Um, we're going to be running out of time here, so I think I'm going to skip kickers. We're really sorry, guys, for not going to be able to get into college kickers. You know I love breaking down the, the quads and the, the calves and just everything about kickers. But we're running out of time, and I want to give a shout-out to the other Campus Kitten podcast feeds. On Monday, you got Chasing the Natty. Tuesday, you got Campus Life. Wednesday, David Debate. Thursday, you got campus life again the official and the hero rb show and then friday you got your favorite show back to debbie that's gonna be it for our show this morning apologies to jarek we ran out of time we'll have to get her rescheduled this is mike that's Corey, the moose wrangler good night and good luck